Good morning. Let me just tell you how good of friends we are. <laughs> no, I won't tell any bad stories, though I do have some. You can come and talk to me afterwards. There's some really good ones. Um, in my phone, you know how you have the favorites that you can go to if you have a smartphone? Some people still don't have smartphones. They just have dumb phones. Um, I'm sorry. That was totally wrong. Some of you are offended right now, and I apologize. <laughs> my parents. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mom and Dad. Um, on my smartphone, my, the first one on the speed dial is my wife, obviously, right? Because you'd be in trouble if you didn't do that. And I want her to be there. That's important. Uh, the second is my mom and dad. That, they get second on the speed dial list. Uh, third and fourth are my two sisters, Kelly and Julie. And fifth is Dave Jane. You're not impressed. Let me set the stage here for you, okay? Let me, let's create an atmosphere if we can. When, when, I, when I get a chance to speak in front of people, I pastor a church up in Chicago, um, they understand this. They've actually gotten really good at it to the point where we've had to take people out, ushers, come and take them out. I'm just kidding. Um, this is interactive, okay? If, if, it's, if it's something you, you enjoyed that was said that just hit you, you can make any kind of noise you would like, like, oh, yeah, anything like that. If you don't like it, don't say anything. Okay, just sit quiet, and that's awesome. If you're quiet the whole time, we're in trouble. If it's funny, yeah, because church should be the, be the place we laugh most. If it's not funny, laugh. Okay, just make me feel better. Um, we're going we're gonna to go on a, a journey, and it's an interesting journey because let me share, first of all, just to backtrack, because I love Dave and Casey more than you will ever know, uh, more than they will ever know, and my life is different today because they're in it. And I would tell you this, whatever this church does, jump in with both feet. Jump in 100%. Whether you're just coming or you've been here a while, listen to what he says because God is so leading this church and this couple, you won't, you won't go wrong. Jumping behind them and following them as they follow Christ, okay? And he didn't pay me to say that <laughs> at all. The other side of this, I want to share with you an interesting statistic that I think is haunting. I was asking my brother-in-law, Justin, he was the guy leading worship this morning. Many of you know him. Uh, I said, do you remember what I spoke on last time I came? He's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's awful. I'm like, neither do I, because I was trying to make sure that I'm not repeating myself, though I may. And so I had to go back and listen um, to the message back, it was the Carol series, over a year ago since I've been here. What's with that? Anyway, um, <laughs> So, so I'm listening, and here's what I discovered, and this is a true statistic. Here you go. Are you ready for this? That 40% of the people in the room, you actually learn by seeing it, okay? Statistics tell us that the other 40%, you learn by hands-on experience of it, and 20% of you will actually learn by hearing it. That's an incredible statistic for pastors who preach or who speak. Here's the great thing about that. You ready? Of you 20% that can learn from hearing, you only retain 10% of what you hear. So why do we do this? <laughs> Here's why. I want, I'm hoping that at least one thing this morning just sticks to your heart. If you walk out of here with one big thing that you can take away and say, I need to work in this area of my life. I need to let God work in this area of my life. God is all about making us who he wants us to be. And if we'll open up our hearts and let him, if we'll just be in tune this morning, we may hear some things that we don't want to hear or that may be challenging to us or we've never heard before. Open your heart to hear that. And a lot of times when there's this angst in our spirit, there's this, ugh, that means you need to lean into that because there's something that is going on there that is important for you to look at. Um, and I say that to say this. If I was asked this question, and I asked this to somebody recently and they gave me the wrong answer, 
If you were doing something wrong or believing something wrong, wouldn't you want to know? And this person said, nope. <laughs> I'm like, oh, awesome. Um, for me, because I believe the number one trait that is the most important character trait in our life is to be teachable. Because none of us, we don't stop learning. No matter how old you are, the oldest person in the room, you still have things to learn. You have things that God wants to show you, and that's encouraging. All of us in here need to understand that there are things that God wants to show us. So with that in mind, let me read this passage to you. Because I'm going to take you on a journey before we get to the worship, and we're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk fast. I'm a fast talker. Is that okay? If, it, if it's not, we're in trouble because I'm still going to talk fast. A um, lot to say and a lot of things to get to you that I want you to understand. But this passage in Mark, Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 39, we call the great commandment. The one that God gave us and said, Jesus said, this is the most important one. And so if you're going to follow a commandment, this would be the one you start with. And this is what he said. Teacher, they're asking him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The word that stands out here that we need to understand and get a grip on that we don't necessarily understand and have a grip on because we live in a culture that has, has defiled this word on a lot of levels is love. And what he's talking about here when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors, he's talking about a kind of love that is unconditional, the kind of love that he gives us. How many of you have made mistakes in the room? My hand's up with you. This is participatory, so some of you have never made mistakes. Awesome. Hang out with those people. Um, for those of us who have made mistakes, it's good to know that we serve a God who loves us unconditionally. And let me explain, let me unpack unconditionally for you. Here's the kind of love we're supposed to love God with and love others with. Are you ready? Doing what's best for someone else or seeking the good of others regardless of the cost to you. That's the kind of love that God has for us in Jesus and the kind of love we're supposed to have for each other. So there's this video I want to show you, and as I show this video to you, I want you just to take it in. Everything that's being said, everything, I want you to crank it up if you can, okay, so that we, we get these, these words and these things that are happening. And I want you to just allow yourself, guys, to feel a little bit, okay? I want you to allow yourself to think. I want you to allow yourself to dream. I want you to allow yourself to watch this and react. Can we do that? Here it is. You know, it's not, it's not hard to see that there's this great imbalance and that things aren't right. You know, I know that, but for me, I suppose, it really hits home if I stop and think about it at this moment. Because it's happening right now. In the same moment, you have, you know, a generation who are sitting around, entertaining themselves, watching reality television, which, to be honest, is anything but real. While you have a child who is being prostituted behind closed doors and robbed of their innocence. It's not fair that we can go about consuming every single material option that comes our way while, you know, the widow and orphan are stripped of life's basic dignities because they're victims of a conflict that simply isn't theirs. It's not fair that there's a generation who are choking on their obesity while at the same time there's 30,000 children who will die today for lack of food. 
it's not fair that we have no problem going about spending three or four dollars on what is basically glorified tap water in a bottle with a fancy label while you have entire communities who suffer at the hands of disease because the only water that they have access to is foul and polluted. It's not fair that we, you know, can sing and dance and jump around in our freedom and in our liberty while at the same time the slave remains captive, out of sight and out of mind. It's not fair that, that we can sit and watch the evening news from the comfort of our living rooms and pity those who, who lived where the storm hit or where the ground shook or where the water rose and simply feel sorry for them and then change the channel and get on with supper. Is it fair to walk past the homeless man and give him nothing in the assumption that he'll spend it on booze or cigarettes or, or to suggest that he should go out and get a job? I mean, who are we to judge the alcoholic or the prostitute or the addict or the criminal as if we were any better? Who are we to forget the downtrodden or the oppressed or the marginalised while we go about chasing the dream? We see this imbalance and we go, man, that's not right, that's not fair. But all too often that's all we do. Because for us to do any more is actually going to cost us something. And if that's where it ends, perhaps then it's fair to say that when we ignore the prostituted child, that we actually lend our hand to their abuse. That when we ignore the widow and the orphan in their distress, that we actually add to their pain. When we ignore the slave who remains captive, that it's us who's entrapping them. That when we forget the refugee, that it's us who's displacing them. That when we choose not to help the poor and the needy, that we actually rob them. Perhaps the only fair thing to say is that when we forsake the lives of others, we actually forsake our own. I don't know about you, I've watched that video so many times, and every time I watch it, something happens in me. I want to tell you right now that in America this year, we will spend on pet supplies what it would take to solve the world's problem of water. In the world, there are 27 million slaves while we sit in freedom complaining about the weather or complaining about this or complaining about that. And so you watch that, and, and if there's a heart in us, something happens. We feel something. This sense of maybe I can do something. Maybe there's a thought stirred about a way you can help. Maybe there's an awakened desire within you to begin to respond to the needs around the world, the poor, the orphan, the widow, the marginalized. And, and they're good feelings, and they're good ideas, and they're great plans. But we will walk out that door today, and we will forget that video. And we will take that feeling, and we will push it aside, or throw it out, or it will just get replaced by everything else going on in our life. So many times we're moved to change here in this place, right here. Dave is speaking, God is moving, and something happens in us, and we're moved to change. And when we walk out the doors, nothing seems to change. 
One problem is we think that if we change our behavior, it will change our heart, and it doesn't work that way. I don't know about you, but maybe you could try. Have you ever taken a peach and wired it to an apple tree, expecting the peach to change the apple tree into a peach tree? You're going to be there for a long time, waiting. It's not about changing behavior. It's about changing our hearts. There's something wrong that causes us to see the need, have a heart's desire to meet it, and walk away and forget it. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We don't even know what's going on in our own heart. There are two wills at work. There's God's will and there's your will. There's a kingdom that exists, God's kingdom, and there's a kingdom that we often build called our kingdom, your kingdom. God's will has to do with his kingdom. Your will has to do with yours. So we hear truth, we see injustice, we want to act. But we are selfish by nature, and so we don't. Let me, let me paint a picture of our culture, if I can. I, was, I was just got done speaking to a bunch of young people about it's not about you, okay, because of all the selfishness that you see and people's decisions and the way they treat each other, all that. Anybody know somebody who's selfish? Anybody, let's do this. Anybody selfish? Okay. Anybody know somebody who's selfish? Okay, it's amazing. 100% of us know somebody selfish, which means it's in all of us. And we're sitting there, and we just got done, and I noticed on the wall at the food court in this mall this picture. You're going to love this. I'm just sitting there eating. I look across, and there it is, and I'm like, no, it's not. Quit your pointing. I mean, it is, it is, it's all about you. That's what our culture says. Even when you walk through the doors of church, which isn't supposed to be about you, we think it's all about us. We even walk out asking questions like, what'd you think of the message? What'd you think of the music? What'd you think of this? Would you No, wrong question. Hey, God, what did you think of what I brought you today is the right question. Matter of fact, anybody have an iPhone? I just recently bought um, an iPhone 6. You can throw that up there just so we know what that looks like. Bam, see that? Anybody iPhone people in the room? Okay. It, this, this company, and I don't think he did it on purpose, so just so you know, I own a lot of Mac products. I'm an Apple fan. I love it. I'm not bashing them. I'm just painting a picture. Isn't it interesting that for whatever reason, they chose that all of their stuff would start with the letter what? Yeah, I mean, you look at all of the products that Apple puts out and Apple produces. It's amazing. Go ahead. You can throw that one. I'm going to just coach you through this. Boom, look at that. I mean, they're iPhone, iPad. I, I mean, it's getting what in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Steve Jobs sat down and said, listen, let's make this all about I. Maybe he did. We're so selfish. Throw this next one up here. We're so selfish, we spell we with two eyes. And, and no kidding, as, as I'm sharing this about a year ago, they came out with this one, the we, you. Like, like we needed any more opportunities to think about self, Right? It's, it's absorbed. I was, I was uh, you don't have to go back to this picture, I'll just say it. I was in, in Walmart standing uh, in line, and right there in the magazine rack was this big magazine called Self. Like, you can have this awesome body in a month. I'm like, no, you can't. I've tried that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, we don't need any more focus on self. Hey, let me, let me, let me tell you what happened. 
thousands of years ago, Adam and Eve were, were created by God and were in the garden and God comes along. He's walking with them. How sweet is that? And, and, and they're, they're with God, walking with God, and God is in relationship with them. And he says, listen, you can do anything you want. Just don't eat from that tree, right? You know the story, or many of us do. And, and so God goes to do what God does, and, and Eve is over there, and, and the snake starts talking to her. And so if an animal starts talking to you, run, because it's a bad deal, okay? And it says, you know, God just doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to know good from evil. You can actually be like God. If, what is he appealing to? Selfishness. And so I always thought the guy was somewhere else in the garden naming animals. It had nothing to do with this. But if you read the Bible, you actually find out he's right there. What is he thinking? Just say, stop, don't eat it. She eats it, right? And then he takes a bite. And then here comes God. They realize they're naked. They realize they've sinned. They've messed up. They run and clothe themselves and hide. And God comes walking through the garden. And what does he say? Hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? Like, God needs to find them. Like, God's like, man, did I, play, what, I, I misplaced them? God knew where they were. He just wanted to know if they knew where they were. They had sinned. They had eaten the fruit that they were asked not to eat of. And isn't it interesting, one of the greatest icons, icons of our culture is that. And again, I'm an Apple fan. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just painting a picture of a culture that is selfish. We have a desire in us to do what is right. It's put there by God. But we walk out and we get caught up in self. Or maybe we get caught up in self before we even leave. And it's killing us. Matter of fact, there's a band that I loved growing up. Um, it was DC Talk. I don't know if anybody knows that band or who, the, who they are. Good, there's some older folks in the room. <laughs> there's a disease that is attacking us. And I want, I want you to hear these words uh, in this song. The disease of self runs through my blood. It's a cancer fatal to my soul. Every attempt on my behalf has failed to bring the sickness under control. Tell me what's going on inside of me. I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions. I'm still a man in need of a savior. See, here's the powerful truth is on our own, we can't put the selfishness down. It is the human part of our nature. But Jesus can come in and change it. And for many of us, we've experienced that change. We've put our belief in God and our hope and our trust in God, and we've submitted to his lordship, his kingdom. And man, he helps us be selfless. And so we, we may walk out of here today and we may go do something about the issues of poverty in our world, or the issues of slavery, and some of you are doing that. Listen, Matthew 16, 21, Jesus is responding to the selfishness of Peter, and listen to what he says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The key to understand at the very beginning is this. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, if you want to be in the family, you have to deny yourself. Why? Because it's a disease that is killing us. Our culture is driving it home. Our human nature is suffering from it. And the only way to follow is to die to it. To submit to God's will over ours. See, I believe the cure to selfishness is worship. I believe the cure to selfishness is worship. Why is that? In the church, we get to make it about him. Anytime you're worshiping, whether it's what we're doing out there, and I'm going to explain the difference, or what we're doing in here when we sing, we're saying, I'm not the object I'm not the one to be focused on. You are. 
And anytime you do that, it's almost like there is this practicing of what is supposed to be happening in our heart. But for many of us, we've had a heart change and it just flows out of our heart. That there is this desire to make it about God and other people. No matter what the reward, no matter what the cost. Love, unconditionally. See, it's ascribing worth to something. It's worthship. In today's culture, we waste our worship. Man, I see it all the time. Dave talked about a lot of this last week. I'm going to highlight just a little bit of this. I loved his message. I'm going to share a little bit of what he shared just so we can be reminded. But there's only one that deserves what we tend to give everything else. Could we be spending our passion and energy on the things that don't really matter in the long run? And if you are, wouldn't you want to know it? Wouldn't you want that to go to who deserves it? See, worship is our response to the revelation of God. It is our response to the revelation of God, meaning when I see who God is, I respond to it. You go out on a starry night and you look up and God's showing off, you go, maybe not. I do. I'm an extrovert. just comes out. Any other extroverts in the room? Please. Hopefully there's a few. Oh, good. Introverts? Yeah, that's exactly what I was expecting. Don't say anything, right? I mean, it's our response. Let me put it in another form. It is our response to the identity and activity of God expressed by what we say and what we do. When we understand who God is, when we understand whose we are, we will want to do all he's asked us to do. It's simply like this. Here's how, here's how the, the faith journey works, okay? And for some of us, we're coming from no background with, of church. Some of us are coming from uh, a different religion. And, and you find yourself here. Let me understand. Dave loves God, loves Jesus, and has a relationship with him. And, and for those of us who get that and understand that, we see God as father. And because we see God as father, we are called his sons and daughters, And because we are sons and daughters, we obey. And what a lot of people try to do is obey and earn their way to being a a, a son or daughter, the right person that God will one day accept, and that's the wrong way. I'm just trying to help us understand what worship is all about before I ask us to go on a journey. It is understanding that I know who he is. He is dad, and I am his son, and because I'm his son, I want to do what dad's asked me to do. Because as a parent, we know that we only ask our kids to do what we want them to do because it's what's best for them, right? We will give him what he desires. Uh, can I, let me just share, I don't know how much time I've got. Um, oh, good. Christmas, my favorite holiday. Anybody else with me? Why? Because you get gifts. No, I'm serious. That is why. Um, it, it's, 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 Man, when you were little and it seemed like Christmas took forever to get here, right? And it was the only day you didn't sleep in. You were like up at three and four and five. Is it time yet? And man, the moment it was time, you go running in and you tear open the gifts that took mom hours to wrap in seconds. And you're like, yeah! Or you're like, oh, really? No, sorry. I know, you're never supposed to be disappointed. You're like, oh, that's awesome. And then you re-gift it, right? How many of you do that? Okay, that's called lying. Okay, if you don't think it's awesome, my wife is great at this. She'd be like, oh, I already have this. Oh, well, 
<laughs> not my son. I mean, just, maybe it's just with me, okay? But there, you open it and you're like, oh, why is there the disappointment? Can I just unwrap this for just a Literally, that's awesome. Can I just unpack this for a second? Because a lot of times someone has taken the time, if they're smart, to come to you and say, what do you want for Christmas? And you're like, awesome, that's a great question. I have a list. And you get the list. And you're like, here's what I want, okay? And then, thank you for asking. That means a lot to me that you asked. And so then you get to the time where they give you the gift, you know, and you got them what they wanted, and, and, they, and you open it, and it, this is not on my list. Are you kidding? And you ever had that happen? I mean, come on. I know some of you are like, you just should be happy that you got something. I get it. I'm just being transparent. Would you go with me? You open it, and it's like, oh, man. You process a couple things in that moment. Do they care? I mean, why did they ask? What was, what, was the, what was the thinking? I know some of you are going, this is, aw- let, me, let, me, let, me, let me apply this. I believe God has asked for a specific worship from us. Why would we give him something he didn't ask for? When you look at the, the Bible and God starts talking about what worship looks like, and we love God the way he loves us, why wouldn't you want to give him that worship? When he has sit here and said, hey, this is, what, this is what I want you to do. And we know, listen to me, I'm going to help you. Help, this has helped me. We know that he is asking for a reason. Because he knows that as we do this, it benefits us. It's the gift that keeps giving. Those are great gifts. He's asking for a gift that ultimately benefits us. It's like when I got my kids an Xbox. That wasn't for them. Sorry, Caden. It was for you. <laughs> but I get to enjoy it too, right? It's just like, that's awesome. God is saying, listen, I've given you this thing called worship. It's gonna help you kill this selfishness that just comes up within you. If you'll learn to just offer it back to me, it will benefit you. Okay, now that you know that, listen to this. Hebrews 15, 13, 15 through 16. Jesus said, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips, that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and share with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So there are two types of worship that I, that I believe God wants us to understand and be able to distinguish between. Here they are. There's life worship. And that's what David talked about, Dave talked about last week. Sorry. That's what, when I'm mad at him, I call him David. Um, <laughs> He talked about life worship and, and what does it look like to keep God in the place of authority in our life and that he's in first in everything. What does that look like? And he has on ladder, I think. What is that life worship? Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of the fact that he hasn't wiped you out, but he let, sent Jesus to die on a cross for you so that you could have a way to him in relationship. I mean, that's pretty incredible. In view of that mercy that he's willing and ready to forgive your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west, in view of that mercy that he's ready to give you a brand new start and not just once but every morning because his mercies are new every day. Woo! In view of that, are you, are you following? In view of those mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. David said, Dave said last week that Old Testament worship was all about 
making things right with God. Jesus came and made things right with us. All we have to do is put our faith and trust and hope in him. And because of that, we have his righteousness in us, that he places his nature in us, that we get to act and respond and follow him the way he lived when he was here, that we have the Holy Spirit to give us strength to do it. Are you kidding me? That's incredible. That's worth worshiping, that his mercies are new. How many of you have made mistakes again? That those can be forgiven and wiped away, that the God of the universe who created all things wants your best? What? showing, it, here, here's what it is, it's, it's showing him that you love him, and it's telling him you love him, because the second is lip worship. It's lip worship. Psalms 100, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Some of you are like, shout, really? No, that's what it says. Worship the Lord with gladness, like smile when you're here. <laughs> we got to do better at that. Those, I mean, how are you today? Uh, I mean, don't, I'm not saying fake it, but man, when you have Jesus in your life, you can be in the worst time of your life, but there's a joy that just shines through. And it's like, you know what? I'm awesome. Things are falling apart all around me, but God has me. And they go, what are you? With gladness before him, with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations, and you're going, whoa! Maybe not. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, when, when, when you begin to understand God and who he is and what he's doing through Jesus and how much he loves you, it's just like, I can't contain it. You're like, you're an extrovert. No, uh, yes, but it, does, it goes beyond that. Showing him you love him and tell him you love him. You, those, how many of you are in a relationship? Married or you're, you're dating or whatever. Here, some, some, some advice, and you'll know that this is true when I tell you. If all you do is show your, your spouse or your significant other that you love them, but you never tell them, you're in trouble. Okay? Just saying. If all you ever do is tell them, but you don't show them, you're really in trouble. Because we understand that the two go hand in hand. I tell you, hon, all the time, I love you. Yeah, but you don't show me. I, I show you all the time. Yeah, but I've never heard it. And I think that's what life and lip worship is all about. I think when we walk out these doors, life worship is all about obeying God, not because I'm trying to get somewhere, not because I'm trying to get something from him or just make it into heaven, but simply because he's my dad, and I want to please my dad because I'm his, and because I'm his, I want to obey. And so the best way to worship and honor God is to obey. That's life worship. And then we come into these moments in here, and we get to offer up our praise to God. We get to sing songs. We get to let the joy come from the inside out. Woo! This is my dad. You guys are you guys are good. I'm taking mom and dad with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Showing him you love him is obedience, not behavior modification. Obedience that flows from identity. I obey not to become his, but because I am his. I get to obey. I get to follow. And telling him you love him is lip worship. And it's just as important. It's letting what's inside come out. It's responding. It's expressing. It's what people, you see people doing in churches today. Let me rephrase that. Not all churches today. Uh, it's a lot, alive churches for sure. Churches you walk into and you're just like, what's going on in here? Is this a concert? And there's a reason people ask that question. Are you like enjoying yourselves? Why are you enjoying yourself in church? I grew up in a church that we didn't enjoy ourselves. 
You shouldn't be enjoying yourselves in church. No, you should. There should be a joy in this place. This should be the greatest place to find joy. All right, let me, I gotta finish up because my zeros are out and I'm, I'm, sorry. It's not, it's not, let me, let me put it, sorry, I just lost myself. Not religious institutions who have put together all kinds of traditions and rules to walk through, walk you through to get to God. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. It's not talking about those kind of places. It's not talking, it's talking about his church. It's talking about relationship where it's all about what God did to reach us. People who love Jesus, they don't just say it, but you can see it. It's not just happening in their heart, it's flowing out of their lives. An apple tree that bears no apples gets cut down or it's not an apple tree, you made a mistake. It's letting what's inside come out. When you walk into church today, his church, you will see people responding to God in many ways. Letting what's inside come out. You'll see singing, you'll see clapping, you'll see shouting, dancing, kneeling or bowing, weeping, lifting up holy hands in surrender, praying, encouraging. Many times we see that in church and we're confused by it. Just roll that real quick. Can I just do this real quick? Just, just roll this. One of my favorite songs in the world is Fix You by Coldplay. I don't know if anybody's Coldplay fans, right? Okay, good, two of you. Wait, wait, you got that? There it comes, real quick, right now. There it is. I mean, I mean think about this, just letting it play as we're talking. If you've been to a concert, you, you see people, I mean, going crazy. Their hands are lifted. They're singing with everything they got. They're, they're, they're dancing. The guy on stage is acting crazy. Um, and, and why are they doing that? Listen, it, it's what you do at a concert. You enjoy it. You express. It's all about you, and it's all about the people on the stage. And, and there is worship happening there, whether you know it or realize it or not. That's worship. It's just the wrong object of worship. But it's not, it's not weird to walk into a concert and see that and go, why aren't people doing that? Why are they having, why, what? Because that's just what you see at a concert. You ever been to a church that was alive in a similar way? I mean, I mean, this is a concert that you would go to where, where hundreds of thousands are gathering, but right underneath it, this is a church in, in Australia called Hillsong. You can start to bring this volume up. You ever been a church to a church that just understood everything that Jesus had done for them and understood that worship wasn't just about going out and being obedient, but it was about coming together and celebrating everything that God has done? How many woke up breathing today? That was God. That was God. And so there's this, there's this sense of, and, and, and we walk into the church and we're like, what, people are raising their hands and they're, they're shouting and they're singing, what's going on? And we get confused by it. And I wanna, I wanna correct something if I can. As, as you're watching people celebrate their God in a very similar way in which they celebrated a concert, I want you to hear this. It's what you do in a church. It's just the object of the worship changes. You enjoy, you express, but it's not about you and it's definitely not about the people on the stage. And let me just say something really honestly as you're watching that. When you spectate and don't participate, you have missed the point of what church is all about, of worship that comes from the inside out. 
It's always about him. It's always about God, doing what he created us to do, responding to who he is in a way that honors him because it's what he's asked for from us. You can bring that down. It changes to the one who actually deserves it. Let me close with this thought. It's amazing to me how people can act like maniacs in the concert and sports arenas of our nation and then go to church on Sunday and act like mannequins. C.S. Lewis said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. The Scottish Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify and commanding us to glorify him. God is inviting us to enjoy him. We glorify God when we enjoy God. We delight, the delight's incomplete until it's expressed. See, I know that there are introverts and extroverts. I'm almost done, I promise. I'm going really long. I'm sorry. I know there are introverts and I know there are extroverts in the room and I know we respond to life different and I think that we need introverts just as much as we need extroverts. But all of us can respond to God in some way. All of us can move outside of what's comfortable and give God what he, what he asks for. This is a moment of powerful, power. the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. We're not just singing songs for people to watch. We're singing songs of truth to our God. I'm telling you, when we were singing this I believe, I was about ready to, come, I was ready to climb up the bleachers and jump off. It's like when your kid scores the winning run or the winning basket, it's just like whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or not, it's like, yeah, that's my kid. Whoa. Everybody knows it. And we're singing this I believe. He died and he rose. That's my God. Whoa. And it's simply letting what's inside come out. Now, let me tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not telling that you have to lift up a shout. I'm not telling you that you have to have to clap your hands, or that you have to bow your hearts and lives, or that you have to celebrate with dancing. I am telling you this. People need to see your relationship with Jesus alive. And this is a place where it's okay to do those things. Dave is, is the kind of guy who will never make you do that, never say you have to. Isn't that great? But is giving you the opportunity to do that, to express your heart, to say, I'm surrendered inside, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna show it on the outside. And when we do that, when we do that, God says, when we worship the way he's asked us to, and you look through the Bible, how people worship God, those are the ways in which they worshiped outwardly. God says he does it for us. And it's amazing. And people walk in and they see your heart and passion for God, that you're not dead, but you're alive. And you believe what you're singing and you believe what you're saying. And it comes out of you. Whether it's in here or it's out there, God, did you like what I gave you this morning? Did you appreciate what I brought in my worship to you as you express your heart to God? Has God changed you on the inside? If he has, let it come out. And the Bible gives us ways that we can do that, that match the heart that's inside. And we just want you to have the freedom to do that. You may say, I'm never gonna do that. Well, that's okay. 
That's between you and God. Isn't that great that God gives us that kind of freedom? But to say this morning as we worship and as we sing, there is a freedom to do that. To give God what he deserves. To let what's inside come out. If you feel like shouting because God gave you the victory, shout. If you like dancing, boy, dance. If you can't dance, jump. That's what I do. If you don't want to do anything but you just want to sit and enjoy God, do that. But respond to who he is because he's pretty awesome. Can I pray for you? God, I pray in this place this morning that you would give us a heart and a passion for you that goes far beyond anything we could ever want. For anything else, bigger than anything, that that passion would show in the way we raise our kids and the way we treat our friends and the way we love our husbands and wives and the way we treat our neighbors and those in our community that we know and don't know, that God, there would be worship that flows from our lives and people would see us just loving on you and we'll give you the honor and praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.